You're listening to the I'd Rather Talk podcast. Right before the time I met you, that was when the, about the time that my life started crumbling. Yeah, and I remember that, Tanner. There was a lot going wrong at that time, and I was married. Mm-hmm. Married at that time, and it was even causing problems with my marriage. And yeah. um, at that time, we were... Uh, at that time, we were on the verge of divorce. And, yeah, I remember that. I remember so there was it, a lot of pain. Yeah. Did you feel responsible for what happened to um, your brother? Oh, definitely. Did you carry that weight? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 A lot of responsibility, a lot of guilt. Yeah. The heavy weight that I was carrying around on that, it just kind of brought me to my knees and mm. to where I couldn't really take it anymore. And then that's that's when everything started kind of taking a turn for the worse. Hello guys, what are you doing? Welcome to the I'd Rather Talk podcast. My name is Mark Edward. I'm the founder of I'dRatherTalk.com. That's an educational website for young men, 18 to 30-something, millennials, net gens. And since 2014, I've been helping young men find answers there on the 12 Topics That guys ask me about the most over the last 37 years of mentoring. One of those topics, and so timely for where we're at right now, is anxiety. Now more than ever, young men with whom I journey are talking to me about anxiety. You know, anxiety can take root in our lives even before we realize it. Ultimately, it, it stems from, you know, our thoughts and, and what we're thinking about. And what we think about affects our physical health and our mental health and our emotional health. So that being said, just so you know, there's no guilt from me or my co-host or I'd rather talk. No judgment, no fear today if you are dealing with anxiety. Many, many of us have faced this. So one of the reasons why we chose the word overcoming in today's title is because it indicates that the process of overcoming is ongoing. It's not a one day, one month, or even one year uh, conquering process. So I want to take a minute and tell you a little bit more about Tanner, my co-host. Today, my co-host, firefighter, musician, and young father, Tanner Blake William Pabst, opens up about his journey with overcoming anxiety. I met Tanner unexpectedly on a cold day in January of 2018 while I was on a trip to Hayes, Kansas, visiting my parents and my brother and his family. My brother is a drummer. He's also a campus pastor there, and Tanner... Uh, plays as a musician bass uh, in my brother's worship team so after a service my brother brought Tanner to me and he said hey bro this is Tanner my bass player and he walks away so I'll let Tanner tell more but at the time uh, Tanner who was 27 was dealing with extreme anxiety and depression and I had just come through a very difficult 
six-year journey with one of my children who suffered with anxiety and depression, even to the point of suicidal ideations. Many of you know that. So this, though, was kind of my brother's way of saying, hey, I think the two of you will benefit from connecting. And man, uh, was he right. He was on it. So Tanner and I were face-to-face that day for only an hour. Haven't seen him since. But we struck up a friendship We've been journeying together now for going on three years, uh, strictly by technology. So in this episode, this young native Kansan, uh, he shares about the trauma of witnessing his brother being on fire in a freak accident. That was one of the triggers that led to extreme anxiety in his life. So I think it's interesting that now as a firefighter himself, Tanner is able to reveal here how his world began to crumble in in divorce and after periods of isolation and ghosting and depression and his own suicidal feelings, um, alcohol abuse, his world, you know, just began to come apart. And uh, to my knowledge, this is one of the first times that Tanner is sharing this publicly, so I'm super proud of him. I know it takes a lot of courage. I just want to say, too, that we are not here to offer medical advice. Um, we do point out the importance of combining you know, professional counsel, therapy, meds, uh, medical science, and, of course, the, the power and love of God. Uh, but we're not here to diagnose you if you have an anxiety situation. How long does the restoration process take? What is it like to become truly vulnerable so that you can really face anxiety? Guys, you're going to hear firsthand today in this sobering, um, yet I think very heartfelt and encouraging testimony of ongoing victory. I absolutely love Tanner's honesty and his extraordinary vulnerability in this episode. Uh, You're going to love it. Let's jump right in. Guys, today we're talking about overcoming anxiety, and joining me today is my fifth co-host, Mr. Tanner Blake William Pabst, uh, known to the rest of the world as firefighter and musician Tanner, or Tanner Olson. (laughs) Welcome to the podcast, Tanner. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you doing? Uh, I am well. It's a rainy night here. In Tampa Bay, unfortunately, we're in that rainy season, and every single day, like for the last eight weeks, it's rained sometime heavy, tropical rains, but it's beautiful and pleasant. I have my Starbucks veranda freshly ground here in hand, and I promise you that young Tanner has his Folgers. Disgusting. Man, man. some people are probably going to have to Google what Folgers is. Yeah. Yeah, dude, because like no one drinks it except you and about three other people on the planet. So Folgers was super, was W-A-S in all caps, super popular in like the 60s and 70s when these these commercials were really sexist too. Like the young woman always horrible and the young man was dominating and and the young woman would be like, all of a sudden, I can't seem to please my husband with coffee. And what should I do? My God, we're getting a divorce. And, and she would be, honey, you need to change coffees. Try Folgers. <laughs> it's kind. It's mountain grown. 
Like she did commercials like what twenty years, I think. I looked it up one night when you and I were joking about it. Um, yeah, people, are, white, definitely, right? people yeah. are definitely gonna have to get on YouTube. So you young millennials, there you go. Yeah, you young millennials and net gents, yeah, none of them will know. You have to Google Folgers <laughs> Coffee, Mrs. Olson. The richest kind mountain grown. <laughs> it is pretty funny. They definitely could not get by with making yeah. those commercials these days. You will but... throw up, and if you don't, <laughs> just have a cup of it, and then you'll have the trots to the bathroom either way. So, fortunately, we are the COVID still going on here, but we're not on a lockdown. We're getting around and doing some things uh, at this time. We've been going on what six months now. Kind of crazy. We are still recording remotely, though. Obviously, uh, Tanner's a uh, uh, thousand miles away. But thanks to Anchor for uh, their technology allow- allowing us to do this year. So as I do with all of my co-hosts, I always like to take a minute and just talk about how we met and uh, how you and I became friends, Tanner. Uh, we met at my brother's church there in Hayes, Kansas, Hayes, America. So um, what are your memories of that? that meeting yeah so i still remember it actually really well um that was what two and a half years ago yeah january uh, of 18 january yeah january and 18 the date let's see the date was special because yeah yeah it's my boy's birthday yeah that's so cool so what that's, happened yeah man so it was just uh well for me it was just kind of a normal Sunday morning, we had went to church, and uh, my parents were there because we were having a birthday party for Charlie later that day. Oh, that's right. right. He was one, right? <clears throat> yes, he was turning wow. one that year. So, <clears throat> yeah, crazy. So, um, church was over, and we were getting ready to leave, and right before um right before i left i went to go tell micah bye and it was weird because i was actually just getting ready to leave and then i felt the urge that i should go tell micah bye and so when i went and told micah we were heading out he was like hey man you got a minute and i was like yeah and so he asked if i had met you before and i said no i'd seen you before one other time i could remember and um, i had heard about you but i had never met you so he came over and he introduced us and dude he just like was like hey this is my brother mark marcus then he ghosted us dude (laughs) he was just yeah nowhere in sight and man that's so true (laughs) well so you know at that time he was 40 and of, of course i've known him his whole life and you know i was in high school almost when he was born so I knew exactly what he was doing. He he says, this is Tanner, my bass player, and he walks away. I'm like, this is a setup for whatever reason. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was so cool. And we can talk a little bit more about why it, it was really more than a setup. I think it was mm-hmm. just one of those connections that we were knew we were supposed to have. So you'll probably talk about it here on the podcast. But at that time, you know, one of my daughters had gone through a catastrophic illness for six years and had been suicidal and had, you know, extraordinary anxiety, which of course that's our topic today. And mm-hmm. I think my brother just saw that um, my heart and your heart would connect in a mentoring, you know, friendship. And 
And also, you know, we've been friends over these last two and a half years, and that's the way I like it. If it works out that way, <laughs> I always prefer that. So, yeah, yeah, it was cool. And then, like, it was an hour, right? And your family's <laughs> like, hey, come on. And, you I, know, we I were the last like people my, in the building. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like my family just would have left me if I wouldn't have left when I yeah. did. Because I remember my mom came at least, up at least once, maybe even twice. <laughs> I can't remember. But I know she at least came up once and I knew the boys were ready to go and they were all ready to go. And <laughs> I wasn't because yeah. we were, dude, it's, it's crazy because, <laughs> yeah, we have, we'll definitely get into it later. But our conversation got pretty deep. Quick, it did real fast. That, even for that short little while. It did. While we were there. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was it was hard to walk away from. But like you said, it's it's two and a half years and here we are, you know, we'd. I wish I knew it would, would map quest what the exact distance is from here to here to your place, but you know it's thankful for technology that we yeah. that we're able to keep up through yeah, through this. Me too. We've even we've even video chatted a couple times, yep. and so yeah, we have. It's nice to be able to keep up like that and stay in contact. It it really is, Tanner, and that's the crazy thing, like that. Our conversation, that's the last time I saw your face <laughs> and you saw mine. Like the next yep. day, I'm in, you know, two hours away at the city where my parents live, and we have not seen each other face to face since then. So, yeah, yep. that's the interesting thing about those kind of connections is I've had some others like that where I literally, uh, you know, saw you, you saw my face for one hour, which is crazy. And then we've been able to keep that connection nourish that friendship and that's a different different podcast obviously nourishing friendship <laughs> but that's the way it works yeah. and it takes it work if, if we never talk then we wouldn't have the friendship that we have so that's so cool and i'm sure you'll hit on that later but tell me uh here for a minute about uh life in middle america dude like hayes uh just briefly how you grew up about your family anything you want to tell me personally before we jump in yeah, so I've lived in Hayes about oh eleven years now, and um, I've been a part of your brother's church for eleven years now. I actually got involved with that church just shortly after I moved here to Hayes. But uh, sorry about that, yeah, I'm sorry <clears throat> that you had to endure that. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> I was a joke <laughs> you missed. <laughs> uh, your brother would be mad. <laughs> he's an awesome pastor he is he's yeah he's a he's a great person real glad i've gotten to know him i actually didn't grow up here in hayes i grew up about an hour north of hayes and uh, just a real little podunk town there's i think there was like six six hundred six hundred fifty people living wow. there when i was there so a real little town real little school um, and then after I graduated college, that's when I came here to Hayes. I got a job in the Hayes area. And so okay. I've been here ever since. Um, and like you said, I'm a full-time firefighter for the city of Hayes here. We got a, um, a fairly small department compared to a lot of others around here. Um, but we do shift work here. And so, and um, so I've, yeah, so I've, I've actually got a part-time job. I do some construction work for a construction company here in Hayes um, on my off days. And so I stay fairly busy between my two jobs and hmm. and just life in general. Um, you know, things are a little crazy now and you got to 
got to deal Man, with that. Is. But yeah. but you know, it's it seems like if it's if it's not the pandemic or the stuff going on, it seems like life is always crazy. And you're a musician too. You uh, play yeah, in the worship team there, my brother's yeah, church. I play with yeah. your brother, brother. That's cool. Brother's the drummer, and I slap the bass from time to time. And <laughs> so I love yeah, that. It's, I love it's that. Nice getting being able to get together and play yeah. with them. So you have two sons and you're a single dad right now. And I'm sure you'll probably talk about that later. Um, I know yeah. you're not like in the throes of mentoring, but I'm guessing that uh, with your experience that you have, you know, maybe helped some musicians or some new firefighters that have joined your unit there. Is there anybody that you're thinking of that you have been able to um, mentor at all and it's okay if you haven't like uh, not everybody's actively mentoring in my circle but I always ask that question there's some guys I've had some some conversations with um, from time to time it's it's nothing that we we need on a regular basis or you. anything yeah. but um, I mean I there's some guys I've been able to have some some personal intimate conversations yeah. with and so and you listen Right? Yeah. So that that is what mentoring is. That's eighty percent of mentoring is yeah. listening. So it doesn't have to be a weekly meetings. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So I'm I've been so looking forward to uh, this conversation, Tanner. I know when lockdown first started, we tried and we had some audio issues uh, with your phone, and you did mm-hmm. just an incredible job. I listened to part of it here in the last couple of days, but we couldn't use it because uh, we had audio issues that happened a couple other times, but I think we're good this time. Yeah. I just yeah. said that because I hated to lose that material, but the cool part is so much of what you said is like in the depths of your soul. So I know it's going to come back out here. And honestly, mm-hmm. I said this before we hit record, but I think releasing this podcast now on anxiety in the seventh month here of COVID is even more timely, if I can use that word, than it was mm-hmm. back in the spring when we were trying to do it. So I'm, I'm super excited because I talk with young men literally every week. Just two days ago, a uh, young man who's in his 30s texts me, call me. We journeyed together a long time. So much anxiety over multiple things, just worry, nervousness, unease. Mm-hmm. Doesn't doesn't matter how far you are in your journey with God or your age, single married, like it doesn't matter. Anxiety yeah. happens and, and we have yep. to know how to how to deal with it. So I'm mm-hmm. just gonna let you I'm gonna turn you loose here and jump in and maybe just um kind of define what anxiety is to you a little bit. And then maybe we'll talk about depression and you can get into some of your family history and how all of that started for you. So, dude, let it rip and turn you loose here. Talk about uh, just what anxiety is to you or what it's been to you. According to the Wikipedia definition of what anxiety is, is a feeling of worry, nervousness, or even an unease. Um, you know, I know a lot of people, even myself sometimes, if I got to go to Walmart, um, you know, even something as little as that, I can feel my anxiety getting. <laughs> I just don't I go. How, I know how packed Walmart is and, yeah. you know, being around all those people. But also it can be something as far as, you know, when if you got something happening at work um, or even for college kids or even kids in school, you know, if you got a big test or a big project or something, anxiety can creep up. And sometimes people don't really know what it is. I mean, for a long time, I, I've suffered with anxiety, too. 
um, but I never really knew what it was. Um, there's still a lot that I don't know about it, but I at least got a grasp of what it is yeah. and how you've it lived is, through it though. It for me. Yeah. Yeah. You so know, a feeling of worry, nervousness, um, and you said unease, so uneasy and sort of, uh, like an imminent event or something that is, uh, what did you say? Uncertain. Or mm-hmm. I think you had, we talked about that before we hit record, uncertain outcome, kind of a foreboding feeling. Uh-huh. Uh, that's that's almost the word that my young friend used this week was something along those lines, foreboding. Just won't leave. It, it won't leave my head. It won't leave my head. It won't stop. Yep. So I, I think that a lot of guys feel those feelings, uh, but, you know, it's America, right? And we're <laughs> men, so we don't want to show any sign of weakness. So no. along along those lines would also be depression, and I know that you um, had some struggles and some major struggles with that. Talk about depression for just a second there and define that for us. So depression, uh, Wikipedia defines it as a mood disorder that causes a persistent feeling of sadness or loss of interest. Um, you can feel lonely. Yeah. Um, and even that loneliness feeling doesn't necessarily mean that you are lonely. Um, I mean, I've, I felt depressed even when I'm around groups of people, um, yeah, groups of wow. close friends and even family. I mean, just cause, just cause you're, um, around those people doesn't mean you can't have that sense of feeling lonely. Um, but yeah, so for me, depression and anxiety, they actually kind of went hand in hand cause I, um, I suffered from both and I still do. I still have bouts of depression. I I remember you saying that of anxiety. And so, um, I don't like to say that I've over overcame any of those problems, um, or, or disorders because, um, I always feel like when you say that you kind of let your guard down and then that's kind of when it attacks. But so how would you say, would you say that maybe you've learned to, to manage it to, yeah, yeah recognize it not run from it uh uh-huh and i you know i've i've went through several sessions of counseling and stuff and they they help um give you ways to cope with those things but they also give you ways of um realizing or even figuring out what triggers might be yeah that's you what what might trigger your depression or what might trigger your anxiety and sometimes Sometimes the worst part is you don't really know what those depressions are. So you really got to dig deep and you have no clue what you're looking for. And that's so hard for guys. It is. It's, it's a place. Letting off those layers. Yeah. Yeah, It's a a place a lot of guys don't want to go. And for the longest time I didn't, Um, but I realized, you know, after, after several years of just sweeping it under the rug, you know, you can only sweep so much under there before, that's so it all true. starts to pile out, and then that's when lives then can it's be worse. destroyed, relationships yeah. can be mm. destroyed, um, and so yeah, I think it's best. You know, it's it's not a, it's nothing that you know is to be frowned upon or looked down upon, and I think that's kind of the society and the culture we live in now, where people view anxiety and depression as kind of a weakness. That you know, if if you suffer from either one of these things then obviously yeah. you don't have it together or 
you know, you can't, Isn't that crazy? you can't deal with certain things. Yeah. And so you're weak. And, and yeah. so that's what causes a lot of guys to make it worse. Hold those things back is, yeah. you know, if, why do I want to go tell my best friend that, you know, I, I have anxiety when yeah. all he's going to do is either laugh or tell me to get over things. Stop being not anxious. To worrying yeah. About it. Stop yeah. worrying. And it's, you know, if it were that easy, there would, you know, nobody would be diagnosed with anxiety or depression. And, and, <laughs> Isn't that you know, crazy? So, like, if you nice, had a heart but... attack, yeah, it would be nice. If you had a heart attack, you, you'd go see a heart specialist, right? Like, you'd rush, mm-hmm. you'd be rushed to the hospital, and then for months after that, you would be taking precautions, medicines, mm-hmm. visits to take care of your heart, and nobody would think anything about that. People would be patting you on the back. You know, we're praying for you. You're going to be okay. But when it's your brain, you're right, Tanner. People look at that differently. And I think we've made some progress in America. As you know, I had a long journey there, six years with one of my children, uh, you know, a couple hundred therapy sessions I was in, 150 with her. And so I'm all for therapy, but there is a stigma to it. I know. You know, some of our friends who were Christians uh, said the worst things. I won't get too deeply into that on this podcast because I want to focus on your situation. But yeah, it's it's not looked at the same way as if a broken leg or yeah. a heart attack when it really is a broken uh, brain temporarily or emotions. And it, it's just mm-hmm. as real, Tanner as a broken leg would be. So let's take a short break. And when we come back, Tanner, um, let's talk about how trauma uh, affects anxiety. We'll be right back. I'm really glad that you... um, that you're talking about that. So let's go into a little bit, maybe the causes of some of those mental health challenges. Uh, what do we talk about before trauma, like sexual, physical, emotional abuse, uh, emotional mm-hmm. trauma, like bullying, substance <clears throat> abuse, kind of get into those and maybe even relate them to uh, how your journey is if you want to. So for me, um, it was more the trauma side um, growing up. As a teenager, um, we kind of had some stuff going on in the family that, you know, for, you know, a lot of, a lot of people, I don't think will experience that. And I really wouldn't want people to experience it. But, um, I mean, basically when I was 14 years old, I got a brother that's younger than me. Uh, we were out in my dad's shed at that time. It was winter and we Mm. Went to go start a fire and the flames came back and caught my brother's pants on fire. And so Mm. uh, being there to witness it kind of took a toll on me. And so we spent several months in the burn center uh, visiting him. My parents spent a lot of time up there with him and me and another city, right? Yeah. He had to be transported. Yeah. Yeah. They were in for months, which, which I think from my hometown was about, um, three to three and a half hours wow i remember right so it was quite a drive so it was one of those we took on the weekends and we still had school it was in the in the winter time so me and my older brother we still had school to go to so we did stay in wichita a lot like my parents did but 
even the sight of being in the burn center there mm. and remembering what had happened that day. Um, me and my family, we had never really talked about it a whole lot. And so I, it was I, kind of swept under the rug then. Yeah. And I always wanted to be strong. I wanted to, I wanted to show that I was strong. I wanted to look strong, especially for my brother. He was going through At 14. Yeah. yeah. And so I wow. wanted my parents to be able to focus on my brother mm. and give him the attention. And, and so I didn't want the attention drawn to me. So I just kind of pushed that stuff away. And um, I just, I thought things were good. And so, you know, later on in life, when you continue to sweep those things under the rug, I could, I could feel stuff creeping up on me. I could even, you know, I had flashbacks coming back and stuff. And so Mm, I, I felt it coming back at times, but I just never thought anything of it. And right before the time I met you, that was when about the time that my life started crumbling yeah, and I remember that, Tanner. There was a lot going wrong at that time, and I was married mm-hmm. married at that time, and it was even causing problems with my marriage. And yeah. um, at that time, we were, uh, at that time, we were on the verge of divorce. And, yeah, I remember that. I remember and so there was it, a lot of pain. Yeah. Did you feel responsible a, for what happened to um, your brother? Oh, definitely. Did you carry that weight? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 A lot of responsibility, a lot of guilt. Yeah, the heavy weight that I was carrying around on that, it just kind of brought me to my knees and mm. to where I couldn't really take it anymore. And then that's that's when everything started kind of taking a turn for the worse. And so, so over the course of about 14 years, you carried it then, and it still mm-hmm. wasn't resolved in your soul. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep, I just... I was more the type of the guy that I didn't really want to deal with my problems. And I didn't want people to know the, these problems that I was having because I was always more the type of guy when I was talking to somebody, I would always rather listen. I didn't want to draw the attention to myself. So yeah. if I was and having you're a good conversation about that. with yeah. a guy, I would rather talk about them. I want to know what's going on in their life. I want to know what problems they're having. And I want to yeah. get, I wanted them to get personal with me, but I was never really willing to get personal yeah. with them. And so it's the cool part about that is, is you have been able to do that. And not just with me, you've had other people helping you on that journey, mm-hmm. but you and I have talked about all of those things that happened uh, with your brother, your family in your marriage. And you have been able to release those and let those layers of weight off of you. So, yeah, being being like the tough uh, firefighter guy, you're right. Like that, that just has the image of I'm tough, I'm cool, and I'm manly, and nothing is hurting me. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's crazy. And I appreciate you sharing that because I think a lot of guys listening could identify to some type of trauma, whether it be a physical event like that or emotional uh, sexual event. You know, I've mentioned before that one out of every four guys have had some unwanted sexual advance or their sexual trauma in throughout mm-hmm. early life like that. Thanks for sharing <clears> that. <throat> and so um, while we're talking about that, like where where are you now, if I can ask? Like I know you said it's still a struggle, but through counsel, through mm-hmm. spiritual counsel and, you know, uh, psychological counsel and just your own 
way of facing it. How are you now? Here you are at what, 31 now. So we're uh, 17 years later. I still have my good days and I still have my bad days. And, and even on my bad days, some days are, are decent and some days are worse than others. But I feel like now I can, I've got a better grasp on things. Yeah. Um, I understand things a little bit better. Um, there's still, um, there's still some, some things I don't understand. Um, I've, I've tried to do reading and research on, um, ways that anxiety and depression attack the body, attack mm-hmm. the brain, um, what, and what mm-hmm. they do to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what have you found out, even though it sounds like you don't feel like you've conquered it all, which, Hey, that's kind of where many <laughs> of us are at. Like, what have you realized? Yeah. What well, has been I, the lights on for you, you know, the uh, epiphanies for you? I think the biggest one is just knowing that, um, you know, I've, I've always known that people don't choose to be depressed and right, right. be anxious, but mm. <clears throat> I always thought that something would have to happen in order for that, for those things to happen to somebody. And for a lot of, a lot of, um, you know, an original event like the trauma that I dealt with growing up like I knew it would be stuff like that but you know here I am 17 years later and I can still feel depressed on days I can still feel anxious and Hmm. sometimes I can feel both which is at the same time yeah Yeah. talk about a real whirlwind because depression is a downer so you know it's it makes you feel like you don't want to do anything and then you're at the same time you're anxious and so what do you do on those days are you able to articulate that can you share it um those are i don't know those can be kind of the the bad of the bad days um it always feels for me that the more that i have time to myself and quiet time is that seems to be a lot of when that stuff happens, that those okay. things creep up. Um, when you're alone. Yeah, time. and so I I try to keep busy. I do pretty good at it a lot. <laughs> um, but also, <clears throat> some things within the last couple of years that I've found that have helped have been, um, you know, being involved in devotionals on the Bible app on my phone. Yeah. We did some um, of those together and that was yeah, awesome. We have. Yeah. For some of you guys that haven't tried that, like Tanner and I, um, we did, I think two or three together on the same app. So we would mm-hmm. study it on our own and then we would take <clears throat> sometimes just five minutes and call each other and talk about it sometimes longer. Haven't you had in your podcast? That was actually really awesome. But, um, and even my love for music, music has helped me through a lot but even some other things i mean i've gotten pretty big into podcasts um i've found a lot of those a lot of the motivational ones i've found that have helped that's an anchor for me too i think a lot of young men would say that that music Mm -hmm. is it helps them it's a way that you can sort of open up to those feelings that you're having and release them music helps with that that's so cool yeah so besides um, besides trauma, which I think a lot of the listeners today could identify with, you and I talked before about some of the other causes of mental health issues like um, 
bullying that happened to me a lot growing up because I was not athletic. I was, you know, the, the preacher's kid with the swimmer's body who played keys. You know, I couldn't throw a football. Substance abuse uh, was another we talked about. Hit on those for a minute if you can. Yeah, so actually bullying, I can relate to that too a lot because that happened to me growing up as well in my younger years. And I was always the type of guy, I'm, and even now, I mean, I'm, I'm a smaller guy. I'm not dude I'm not but a you're a firefighter with like a <laughs> massive crazy cool tattoo on your chest right like man yeah, man. I'm, you know, I'm still a smaller boned guy and I've been oh small. yeah I've yeah. been small all my life and so um you know kids can be cruel and so yeah they can they you know can. if there's somebody bigger than you it it feels like they've got to you got to pick on the guy that's smaller than them yeah. so I got picked on growing up and I got picked on quite a bit yeah I did too the substance abuse, I can definitely touch on that one. Um, it wasn't necessarily a cause of my mental health issues. Was it more of a result, something that you it did was. because of it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a lot of, I used a lot of the substance abuse to help cope with it yeah. instead of talking. The alcohol was a big one that I turned to. It was easier yeah. for me to to drink and forget about it and kind of numb those problems. But yeah. You know, as anybody knows that's, you know, either done some research or even experienced it themselves, you know, it it only numbs it for a little while. Yeah. You know, you can't, you can't stay drunk 24 seven. And so. When what you brought you to the point job, of letting go of that? Yeah. I stepped on you. I'm sorry. I stepped right on you. But No, no, that was it. Yeah. I think for me was a lot of it was I was seeing the destruction it was doing to me. Yeah. Um kind of realizing that you know i i don't have control over alcohol it was one mm. of those things that controlled me and so yeah. for me it was never one of those you know you can some people can socially drink or they can sit down and maybe have a glass of wine or a couple of drinks while they eat dinner or something but for me and it's it not a big deal case, yeah. you know for yeah. me it was if i'm gonna do it then it's going to be one of those things that I'm not going to get drunk every night, but I'm going to have more than just a few. You're still and deep so, in the water. Yeah. Yeah. And so <clears throat> there was quite a few people in my life that had pointed out to me that they knew I had a problem, but I wasn't willing to acknowledge that problem. And I definitely didn't want to deal with it. You know, when, when you got a lot on your table already, it's, one of those things why throw one more thing on there when, right when to you you feel like you're doing all right so but the more that i thought about it and even you know the deeper i got in my faith i felt that that topic kept coming up the and substance the more, abuse now yeah, yeah and the more the more i pushed away the more that i felt it coming right back to me and so it just got to be one of those things where I was finally willing to acknowledge that for me, it was a problem. And, and so for me, it had to be all or nothing. And so, Mm. um, cold turkey. Yeah. So just one day I decided that I was done and I had to get rid of all the alcohol in my house. I could, dude, I remember the night you called me. (laughs) <laughs> you you were out i hope i can say this you were out in your yard pouring it out into the, the mm-hmm. yard and we were on yep. the phone together that was amazing 
Yeah, because I knew that I, for one, I couldn't have it in my counters. I could, or in my cabinets. Yeah. I couldn't cabinets, have it in my yeah. cabinets. I couldn't have it in my fridge, because otherwise, I got that temptation. And so, yeah. at first, I threw it all in the trash, and then I went back inside. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, hey. You know, if it's if this truly does have a hold on me, like I know it does, it being in the trash, you'll be out there at four in the morning digging through. The yeah, trash. and it was a week before my <laughs> trash was going to be dumped, and so I knew that wow. if it was seriously going to be that big of a problem, then I could see myself digging in the trash to go get the bottle out. And so, wow, before something. I had a chance to bury it, I just went out there and I opened everything up and I. I poured it out in the yard and threw the empties away and and I knew that for me that's that had to be the way to go. Man, I'm proud of you for that too. Like I don't think I'll ever forget that call. <laughs> I, I wasn't expecting it. You it was just I thought it was a normal call and I'm like, Hey, what are you doing? And you said I'm I'm pouring <laughs> all my alcohol out in the grass. I'm like, You go, man. I'm, let's do it. Yeah. And like, you know, and my mentoring style is I wouldn't I don't condemn anyone that's going through, you know, any type of abuse of any, anything, whether it's, you know, alcohol, porn, like we all, we've all had our stuff that we journey mm -hmm. with, but I was just elated that I got to hear it. Like <laughs> I got to be there for it and that's cool. And I'm sure it hasn't been easy. Like I know you've had your days when you're like, man, I wish I could have that feeling or that, you know, uh, temporary, uh, transport into forgetting everything mm -hmm. but man you've you've stuck with it and that's that's cool one of the things that you talked about before was how anxiety and depression can happen at any time mm -hmm. so you know it's not just by a traumatic event when you're 14 maybe it hits you in your 30s or maybe you didn't have anxiety and depression but man COVID has you know, brought it to the forefront of your man's soul. Oh, most definitely. I love it that you recognize that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm, I'm hearing that a lot. Like my phone has blown <laughs> up more this summer over these types of issues. And I mean that in a great way, because I love it. That's part of my gift. Mm -hmm. but, hey, I'm anxious. Hey, I'm feeling depressed and I'm feeling lonely. What you said earlier, I've heard so much this COVID year. Uh, feelings of loneliness and of course we actually all have, were isolated there for a while when we couldn't even go in anywhere mm -hmm. but even now that we're in small groups again in some states um, like you said you can be around people and still feel lonely mm -hmm. uh, because you still have that layer that weight so talk to me for a minute if you would about isolation so I think I've said this on every podcast so far this is number eight <laughs> But one of the three main hurdles that I deal with as a mentor out of one of the three is isolation. Mm -hmm. So it's huge. Uh, time alone is healthy. That's a different thing. Isolation is, is completely different than time alone. So talk to me about that and how mental health, anxiety, depression can lead to isolation or self-love. I like that point that you hit on just a little bit ago about how time alone can be important, but... It can also be abused at times. Yeah. Um, I think time alone is good just in the simple fact that sometimes it helps you be able to gather yourself, gather your thoughts. Um, and so sometimes you may just have to sit back and say, hey, I need a few minutes. I need to gather myself. 
you know, can we talk tomorrow? Can we talk in an hour? Can we talk next So week? it's okay so, to tell someone I'm not ready it is, to talk yeah. to I think, you know, when you get into the whole concept of ghosting, I think that's when you're kind of abusing it or when you're, when you're kind yeah. of taking it to the extreme. And I've even been guilty of that too. I mean, even, you know, we've been, not you Tanner. Been, <laughs> I wish, but <laughs> you know, even in, in the two and a half years that we've been talking, you yeah. know, there was a time we had our ghost space yeah, there for a little bit. Was, yeah. Go ahead, buddy. I'm sorry. No, start talking. Fine. You know, there was a time when things got real rough for me and I, shut everybody out you know i shut you out and i even shut my family out there's a lot of times my dad i didn't want to reach out to my family and if they wanted to reach out i kind of ignored them and you know if it's easy on a cell phone when somebody calls you know all you got to do is when you see their name pop up all you got to do is silence it and you can just wait for them to go to voicemail (laughs) and it's so easy yet so annoying at the same time <laughs> when you get a text message after that saying hey i'm busy or hey i can't talk right now it's, <laughs> that is taking it to the extreme there and that's when it gets starts to get unhealthy isolation um, yeah. because those are the times that you need to reach out because you're not only doing destruction to yourself but you're also starting to destroy those relationships with friends and well, well, yeah and even like i said even family um and yeah and you've been a father during this whole time yeah too, and so. sometimes the your hardest boys. part yeah. is sometimes that can even happen without you knowing it there was times where where you find yourself in isolation but you don't yeah. realize it at first is that what you yeah. mean and so yeah. sometimes you can be shutting people out and ignoring them and you may not realize it at first because that's what it happened yeah. to me uh, especially with my, you're so with, used to, yeah, it. especially with my family, you know, I can remember an instance where when I was going through, especially through my divorce and through, um, the things that I was going through in my life and all the changes and stuff, I was shutting out my family. And I can even remember my mom one time she had, she had kind of, we were having a one-on-one talk and she had said something along the lines of how, um, you know, me and my younger brother even though that trauma happened when we were younger, um, it really brought my family close together and me and my younger brother's relationship. It's man, it's always been amazing. We've been able to talk about anything, uh, when we're together, we, we love our time together. It's one of those we can be together off you and your yeah, younger bro do stuff. Yeah. And this is the one who was, who was burned, right? Yeah. And so that, that event actually uh, i mean i i credit it to bringing our family i don't think our family would be where it's at right now if it wasn't for that event um and so i can remember my mom telling me about how my younger brother had confronted her and said that he didn't like the person that i was because i was shutting him out you know we we were always good about texting all the time and talking all talking almost every day and and I was basically ghosting him, and so you went from every day to nothing. yeah. And for me, I didn't really notice that because I was busy. You know, I I have my normal day to day stuff, and I have all this other stuff going off on in my mind. And so for me, I was always busy doing stuff. I never realized that I was shutting him out. So when my mom yeah. 
told me that it it hurt it kind of stung when she told me that because wow. i could instantly feel the pain that my brother was feeling mm. and i remember uh finally reaching out to him and i remember apologizing for for doing what i had done to him and i remember even apologizing you to you because mm-hmm. i had i had even yeah. shut you out yeah. and i you know i part of me knew what i was doing to you but at the same time part of me didn't really know how what level i was at of of that yeah so yeah um when i finally started realizing all uh, realizing all these things i felt the need that like i had to apologize i felt that even though i was taking these burdens on that i had to realize that i wasn't taking them on myself and that's yeah. that's what a lot of people have to realize that you know yeah. no matter what's going on that they're never alone somebody is always going to be there to that's right. Want to reach That's out right. and want to help. If they're feeling anxious about something, it's always good to even talk about talk with somebody about that. You know, and even through this yes. isolation mm-hmm. time when people are being laid off of jobs or they're having to stay home and missing family and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, it's you got to be in communication with the, your family and even your your mentors, your close friends, because those are the people that are yeah. going to help you through these things. Because you know, this so mental true. health is something you can't fight alone. The more you try to fight it alone, the more it's going to dig you in the dirt. And so, mm-hmm. no matter you know, no matter how strong you are or how strong you think you are, you know, it's it'll take you to your knees if you try to do it alone. <laughs> I mean, that's so good. I I would say that every mentoring relationship or friendship I've had, and there's been many of those, you know, 250 of those probably. They've all had a season, sometimes short, uh, sometimes longer of, you know, where there's separation between Mm -hmm. the mentor and the mentee, if we want to use that term. Yeah. And, and so I'm used to it, but you can ask Jamie or the guys that know me really well, like it's still the hardest thing for me because my heart is so drawn Mm -hmm. to listen and to be there for you. So I think that was a period of months that 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 happened and. Yeah, You know, now that I'm older and hopefully more mature, <laughs> sometimes I wonder, you know, I don't take it personally. I know, hey, we're in that we're in that season of isolation and separation. And it actually has to happen because you have to learn how to fly your plane yeah. by yourself. Like I can't stay in the cockpit of your life, to use that term, you know, the rest of your life, like. I just can't. I couldn't be there up there every day because I have my own life and my own family, my own kids, yeah. and you know, twenty-eight other guys in my active circle right now. So, the goal is for you to fly more on your own. But the cool part is, you know, you and most guys like you didn't boot me out of the aircraft. I'm back there somewhere mm-hmm. where eventually, whether I'm in first class or <laughs> I'm booted down to the luggage compartment, which you didn't do. Eventually, you. You say, "Hey, over the intercom, hey, um, I'm still here. Yeah. I need your help." And a healthy, a healthy mentor. And I'm not in any way like bragging about this, but this is for my mentors who are listening. You guys who are mentoring, a healthy mentor says, "Hey, I didn't leave. I'm still here. Let's just pick up where we left off." So there's no guilt trip. Yeah, you know, for you, uh, we just jumped back in, and honestly, like it took us to the next level, a newer level. Yeah. And I think that the healthiest relationships 
have times of separation because that's where the growth occurs for the individual. Mm -hmm. As a mentor, I do understand that some of the things we're talking about today are difficult and they might even be uh, somewhat triggering for you as a young man, depending on where you are in your life. So I always want to say that, you know, I am a mentor and not a doctor. I don't even have a fake doctorate or an honorary doctorate that was bestowed upon me because I need to look great. I need to say doctor on my podcast or my future book. No. So uh, just remember and keep in mind that the content of, you know, even this podcast and our website, our social media outlets, our printed material, uh, any verbal counsel, those are provided for educational and informational purposes only. And we're not here or nor do we intend to, uh, you know, be considered a substitute or uh, like a replacement for professional and medical or psychiatric advice. If you have, or even if you suspect you have a medical or a physical or a psychiatric condition or problem, go ahead and contact a professional healthcare provider. And uh, most importantly, so if you're suicidal, I would encourage you to call 911 or to go ahead and contact the suicide prevention lifeline, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. We do thank you for listening today and we'll jump back in here with Tanner. You're listening to the I'd Rather Talk podcast. Alrighty, we're back uh, again talking with Tanner Blake, William Olson Pabst, <laughs> firefighter slash musician, uh, father from Hayes, Kansas. I wanted to uh, kind of pick up here in this last segment. And I know you said at the top of podcast, Tanner, that uh, when we met, you were you were with uh, your wife, but you went through a divorce. And I know it was tough. I think I mentioned this before, but it was also the time when Jamie and I were separated because of what she was going through. Mm -hmm. So we kind of went through that at the same time. And even while you were isolating, dude, you know, I was kind of going through the same pain too. (laughs) Uh, Different situation, obviously, than what you had. But I think it would benefit some of these uh, young men that are listening today who Maybe they're in dating relationships and they're not going right, or maybe they're even married and they're struggling. If you can, I know it's kind of vulnerable, but that's what this podcast is all about. Talk a little bit about how that rolled out with Katrina. I know you guys divorced, but I also know that you've been um, seeing each other again and how, how the role of depression played and just kind of how that was hard for uh, Katrina and kind of where you are now, if you're willing to just kind of let loose on that for a couple minutes. Like you said, it was one of those we were kind of right, not really right in the middle of the divorce. It was actually kind of right through the the beginning of the not ready to yeah, happen, right, right? Through the beginning was, of the process yeah. of that. Yeah. And so, yeah, I just kind of want to point out how crazy it was, how a lot of the events that took place in your life and the events that were taking place in my life, how they were similar in ways. You know, you we were separated you know, at the same time about you and Jamie yeah. and then me and Katrina, yeah. mm-hmm. but then also you and your daughter 
and her mental health oh, gosh, and my mental yeah. health. So, yeah. yeah, I just, I just I kind of thought about that, how crazy it was, how, <laughs> how our stories were kind of similar there, but we were both swimming in deep water, <laughs> man. But you like, you know what we did? I know this sounds cheesy, mm-hmm. but I like this phrase. We were locking arms in the deepest water and we were swimming together. Mm-hmm. You know, I know there was that period of isolation that happens, but like when we, when we picked up, we really locked in and said, Hey, let's stick together till, you know, my tagline to you're old and I'm really old. Like mm-hmm. that's something I really mean. And you did it. So I know that was rough for Katrina to go through and your family, <clears throat> kind of how you shut them out there, but talk about how that happened, how it affected you, your boys, and maybe if you can, where you're at now, where you guys are at. <clears throat> yeah. So going through the process of leading up to the divorce and stuff, that was super hard on her and even her family. Um, Because, you know, I talked about shutting my family out and I was really guilty of shutting her out on a lot of stuff. Um, There was a lot of things I didn't want to talk to her about. Um, For one, I knew that she wouldn't understand because I I kept feeling that, you know, if I did, if there's things I didn't understand about this, then how in the world am I going to try to explain to her and, and have her understand what's going on? There's no way. So so the communication was really, it was non-existent. And I, so you had no communication toward the end there. Yeah. Like, I mean, we, you know, we talked and stuff, but like, as far as like personal conversation, like getting intimate and deep and in the feelings conversation, that was non-existent. Um, just cause I didn't mostly because I didn't know how, I didn't know how to tell her the things were going on. I didn't know how to tell her, um, you know, the ways that it was affecting me, the way that it was attacking me. Like, I didn't know those things. So it was it was really hard for me to explain to her. And she expressed several times how, you know, she didn't understand. She didn't get it. Um, and my response a lot was that I didn't understand it either. Wow. And so I was really guilty of shutting her out on a lot of stuff. And so, you know, after the divorce happened, you know, even though we were staying to living in the same town, uh, we kind of shut each other out and we, we were living our own separate lives. And so here we are fast forward a couple of years. And yeah, like you said, we, um, we have been seeing each other. We've been, talking um we've been working on restoring our relationship um yeah. and possibly mm. the marriage in the future um but it's it's not one of those things that is just said and you wake up the next day and everything's back to normal there's yeah, a lot it of doesn't it. work that way yeah, i wish <laughs> it did but yeah. you know yeah. there's there's a lot of pain there's a lot of hurt that's got to be worked through yeah, and there's a lot of communication that has to happen, and so, um, you know, we definitely had to catch up on each other, um, what was going on, um, but, yeah, so here we are. We've actually it was right around Christmas time when um, right. I had expressed to her what was going on in my life and my feelings that I was feeling toward her, um. And so she was a little bit in disbelief, if I remember. Like, <laughs> yeah. is this really real? Yeah, Do it, I trust it this? Was definitely a shock. 
and is this just Christmas love and it's gonna go yeah, away, you know, in I, January or what? Like yeah. Numerous times from her, but I had to kind of catch myself because I I couldn't take offense to it because it was one of those things, you know, the divorce happened, and so I I knew that the trust on both ends had to be built yeah. back up. You know, it was basically we were starting out from scratch. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. it's kind of weird to say, but, you know, here we are. We were married, but here we are dating each other again. Yeah, that's not and weird so at all. So it's, yeah, you know, I you, always, it. <laughs> you always hear that in marriages, how you should always continue to date each other. Yes. And so, well, you know, mm-hmm. here we are a couple of years later and it's it's hard. It's, you know, we're both busy a lot and especially with you know, with stuff going on in the world and it's, yes. it kind of shuts, you know, you can't, you can't go out on dates as much because, you know, yeah. you got all these restrictions, but, you know, thankfully we have time with each other after work and we're able to see each other and, you know, some days are good and some days are bad. You know, I, <clears throat> I've got my good days and bad days with myself and, you know, even mm-hmm. in our relationship, it's, it's got some good days and bad, but <clears throat> we both definitely feel like this is something we're called to. Um, yeah. You know, we, so you said earlier, you said earlier that it was hard for you to explain to her where you were. So now fast forward here, we are two years later. Are you able now to articulate on those bad days, anything to her? Not, maybe not fully, but are you able to have, a conversation where you couldn't two years ago. Yeah. Um, is that still in process? That's still in process too. I think some of it is just, you know, it's, it's all communication and it sounds easy saying that, you know, all you got to do is communicate, <laughs> but you yeah. know, when, when you're being faced with that, it's not so easy. And so a lot of the times I even, it, is easy for me you know when she sees me spacing off or staring at the floor or something when she asks what's going on a lot of the times it is easy for me to say nothing or i'm fine Um, yeah even though it's not the truth yeah and she's even confronted me about it you know that that i need to be open about these things and so maybe on her part it's an act of love Mm -hmm. to say hey i see you staring at the floor I I'm kind of interested in maybe getting back together too. let yeah. me in. Yeah. And even if you can't articulate it, say, yeah, I am having, this is a bad day for me with anxiety uh, and just be here with me. Like she wouldn't have to say anything or do anything, but yeah. just letting her in to that room, mm-hmm. even without words or without a solution, letting her in breaks that isolation. Yeah, it does. And it's, you know, it's one of those things she's, she saw me through a lot and she's known me for a long time that, um, mm. she's definitely getting better at reading my body language. Um, yeah. cause it's easy, really easy for, you know, when you don't see somebody every day or, or even the people you do see every day, if you only see them for a short while, it's easy to put yeah. that mask on or put a smile on and, and to them, it looks like everything's going fine, but 
you know, deep down inside, you just want to scream or something. But, <laughs> but the more you get to know somebody and the longer you spend with them, you're able to read their body language. And so she, yeah. she is getting really good at that. She's, that's good. And so she's, you know, she's, she does have those times where she'll ask if things are going well. And so, you know, communication is still definitely something that I've on my yeah. end, you know, I've got to work on and, and it's a hard thing for me because I spent several years of my life not communicating and so <laughs> yeah yep. but you know it's you and a lot of other young men yeah. yeah but you see it that's the thing is you recognize it mm-hmm. i love what mirazol islam said in episode two he said vulnerability breeds real friendship mm-hmm. and it, vulner, vulnerability breeds real friendship it's the same in marriage in mentoring friendships uh even in work relationships, you have to be a little vulnerable with the guys you firefight with, right? In order to save each other's lives and have trust. Yeah. So when, when she knocks on that door, when you're staring at the floor, yeah. The best thing you can do is say, you know, yeah, it is tough. I can't articulate it or I can't explain it, but Mm -hmm. come on in and just be here. So I think our situation was reversed. So Jamie, we talked about this on our website uh, about our separation and restoration, you can read it, but she had to have space to recover from her own health issues, issues with our children. They all three went through, you know, very terrible situations, the death of her mother. And she's the one that was isolating mm-hmm. and shut me out and needed the space. So we were kind of reversed. And dude, my issue was as a man, I was trying to fix it. So at least Katrina is not like breathing down your neck every hour (laughs) saying, let me help you. Let me help you. Let me fix you. Let me fix it. Like, I don't, I don't see her as being like that, Mm -hmm. remembering her. And that's the reason Jamie said, we got to separate because she did not want me to fix it. And she did shut me out. Well, it came to the point then over Starbucks, not Folgers, where she said to me, see, see how this works. She said to me, I'm not at the bottom of the pool anymore. And I knew what that meant. I'm ready to let you back in. Mm-hmm. So thank God, God helped me. But I didn't just rush in and say, hey, see, I told you so. Now I have all the answers. Yeah. Even if, even if something comes to my mentor brain, like usually with her, I try not to say it like, dude, she's got this figured out now. She had the answers. And I believe the same for you, Tanner, like in your man soul, you know what the steps are, but letting Katrina in, if you guys do progress, if you do, you know, remarry, just letting her be in there, even if she doesn't say anything, I think a lot of guys will see how important that is. And just Jamie opening the door two years ago, last month again, and saying, never again will we be separated. I'm letting you back in. So mm-hmm. it's been great. And like you said, it didn't happen overnight. So mm-hmm. between the time she said to me, I'm ready to be together again, and the time we moved back in together was seven months. Wow. Dude, that was excruciating <laughs> for me as a male. So, yeah. you know, I'm ready. I'm ready to. I wasn't ready the next day, to be honest, because I was a little skittish. I didn't want to have any more pain. Yeah. But after a month or two, like I could tell she was ready, but we waited seven months Mm -hmm. for a variety of reasons. So I don't think it's so much about the time Yeah. with you and Katrina or any guy that's listening. Like if you're trying to restore a friendship, a work relationship with your children, with your spouse, time is everything. But the key is what we talked about is saying, 
yeah, I'm staring at the floor, but come on in. Yeah. And it doesn't mean solve it. It, it doesn't it doesn't mean say anything, but just be there like in the same room. And you've, we've done that in some calls, Tanner, where sometimes you're having a rough time and we didn't talk much. We just had times of quiet. I've done this with a few guys where yeah. what if five minutes passes and we don't say anything? That's not scary. That's healthy. Yeah. I'm just here where our souls are connected. And I'm saying this because I want to encourage guys, whether it's with a, a former spouse or someone or anybody, to to let them in. Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't need them to talk, but let them in. Yeah, I think that's kind of part of what makes guys skittish on, on talking and reaching out to is because when you talk to another guy, like you said, men are wired to where when we see a problem, we want to fix it. Well, that's, that's not always the case when it comes to mental health, you know, you don't, (laughs) you don't have the answers and you you may not be able to fix it. You may be able to help advise them or, you know, you can tell them, tell them your story and what, you know, what helped for you and stuff and, and give them pointers and stuff, but you can't fix it for them, but you will manage it your whole life. Yeah. You may sit on the phone for five minutes and all you hear is breathing or coughing. But yeah, that may be what that person needs on the other end. Just the comfort of knowing, hey, man, you're right there. Yeah. And all I got to do if I need you is say something rather than or having... me in the pool making water noises. Yeah. <laughs> or me sipping folders in the yeah. background. But... Yeah, that's disgusting. <laughs> so now that we're laughing here for a second, <laughs> it's something pretty serious. Um, talk to me about suicide um as i said here in the break uh our disclaimer that you heard already even the thoughts alone were scary enough for me yes yeah um i do want to touch on it because i know you had some suicidal uh ideations and feelings as as it did a couple of my children even you know self-harmed this is a real thing and it's real for net gens and gen z's it's real for millennials it's real for guys my age Mm -hmm. talk to me for just a minute as we head out here in the last uh, quarter of the podcast about to end up here talk to me about suicide and how anxiety depression is related to that your bracelets your tattoos yeah so that's that's definitely was always a very touchy very touchy topic and also scary really too because yeah, you know, scary. when you think of anxiety and depression and how that can, you know, that can be something that can creep up on you. Um, suicide is one of those as well, whether it be a thought or an action. Um, it's not something you intend to do. It's just something that, you know, can just be put on your mind. Hmm. Um, and, you know, thank God for me that it was all just, thoughts that there was no actions I never no attempts or anything and so um, you know I'm definitely thankful for that but even the there'd be days where I was just real at the you know at the bottom of the pool I felt like I just had a cinder block um, chained to my ankles and I couldn't go anywhere it just felt like I was really at no end it was you know it was hard for me to breathe and I just hard to breathe. Yeah, wow. I just I felt that like heart palpitations mm-hmm. and that type yeah. of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I just yeah. I felt that weight and that burden on mm. me. And so wow. you know, and I just kept hearing this voice in my head that, you know, 
the only way you're going to get out of this is if you end it. And, Mm, and even, even going through the divorce and stuff, like I kept having that thought too, like the only way I'm going to get out of that is through death. And so, you know, I, I had those thoughts and, and even dreams too. Yeah. And, Mm. and it was really scary. And I, I didn't want to talk to people because uh, once again, I didn't want people thinking I was weak or that, you know, I wasn't as strong as them because I was having these thoughts. And, and a lot of people, you know, a lot of people view suicide as being selfish and um, they, you know, this, the world has their thoughts on that. And so I didn't want to go out and say, well, man, Hey, I, you know, I suffer from these thoughts. And so, it was easier for me just to keep those by myself. So you took some steps though. Like you, I did. Uh, yeah. You had some landmarks that you physically took to remind yourself. <clears throat> Talk to me about those, yeah. the bracelets and tattoo. So that cover that you got for the podcast here has got, yeah. Um, it shows a picture of my wrist, the inside of my wrist. I've got the, yeah, I've got the tattoo. Um, it's, it says warrior on it. And I replaced the eye with a semicolon and, um, it represents the semicolon project, and so for people who aren't familiar with it, you can always you can always Google it. But basically, the semicolon represents they're they're used for by authors um, when an author wants to decides not to end a sentence, they'll sometimes use a semicolon and continue the sentence on. And so mm, basically, wow. they represent that sentence as your life when you get up to that point at the end of the sentence where you think you can should either end it or continue it on to use uh-huh. that semicolon and continue on. And so, yeah, so you can, you can Google semicolon project and even semicolon tattoos. And there's so many people that have different ideas. And so um, I decided to go with the word warrior because that's kind of how I envisioned that fight. You know, when you think war, awesome. when you think warrior, me, I always think of a gladiator. You know, he's got his armor. He's standing at that front line and he's ready to attack. And even no matter what his opponent is, no matter how big he is, you know, you can think of David and Goliath, that yeah. story too. You know, the size of David compared to Goliath, he never backed down and he won the battle. And, you know, here I am a couple of years later, even after those thoughts and I've won the battle, you know, the battle's still going, <laughs> but yeah, I'm still standing. It, See, it is okay to be the little guy, right? It is. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> That's awesome, so, Tanner. And I love that. I love those tattoos and the, oh, me too, man. the bracelet. Well, that's, that's awesome. I know uh, at least two of my children seriously went through that and uh, had it, made attempts on their life. It's a very, very real thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, in some incredible way, I have not lost anyone in my circle in those 250 young men uh, to suicide. I hope uh, my heart's desire is that I never would have to mm-hmm. see that type of loss, but it's very, very real. So thanks for opening up about that. Yeah. But I want to hit just for a minute, uh, our time's getting away here, but let's talk about medication. That's something else that 
uh, some religious circles <laughs> have odds against. I mean, I went through this with my daughters. You know, one person said, and I quote, all you need is Jesus. You don't need those doctors. <laughs> Another family member said, get off those meds. Just go to church. And and all that's BS. <clears throat> I, did I just say BS? Sorry. It's my podcast. It's, I can dude, say it. All, that, all that's BS. So, like, there there are healthy medications finding the right one as a challenge mm -hmm. that can help restore serotonin and other chemicals. So talk yeah. to me for a minute and you don't even have to mention uh, names necessarily since we're not doctors, but how medication uh, can benefit if that's needed. Yeah. How you it, fought it. Yeah, it definitely can. There were people even inside the church I go to that, you know, their, their answer was you just need Jesus. You don't need those meds. You don't need, anything else you just need to throw Jesus. that stuff and away dude, yeah. it's like it it makes you angry and i remember having conversations with your brother just being able to sit down one-on-one -on -one and being able to tell him you know hey i you know i'm i'm feeling attacked and yeah. at that shamed time, yeah being shamed yeah and so at that time i was even seeking counseling and counseling is something i definitely is think is super beneficial as well dude. i mean i'll always advise counseling to people that that have these struggles and stuff they can always reach out to people they know and mentor you got med shamed that's <laughs> what you're saying though yeah yeah med shamed wow yeah and so i can remember talking with your brother and i was skeptical on the medication because i didn't want to become dependent on it and i can remember your brother telling me that you know if if medication was bad he wouldn't have he wouldn't have made doctors that created these yeah. medicines to help people and, you know, when you do research on anxiety and depression, there's a chemical imbalance in your brain. That's and right. So yeah. these medications, what they do is they help balance those those chemicals that are out. And so, you know, sometimes it may be something to where you may be short one, short something. Right. And so yep. these chemicals, they'll just go in and they'll help replace that. And, you know, when you, when you look at the mental side of it and how it works with the brain, the more you realize that, you know, you don't choose this stuff, this stuff happens. And that's, you know, there's, there's doctors that'll back stuff up. And for a while I was on medication, I was on antidepressants and I didn't stay on them real long. I think I stayed on them for about a year to year and a half. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I couldn't find the right medication. I was having some, um, some complications with some stuff, and I, the doctors were um, switching me between medications. And I felt that it was that's doing, rough too when you switch. Ooh. Yeah, and it it was taking a toll on my body. And so I finally decided that I was just gonna um, lay off the antidepressants because I couldn't. I my body was being attacked from all the changes and and stuff and so i felt that at that time it was doing more harm than it was good um and so i mean i've been medication free with my antidepressants mm -hmm. for probably around a year maybe it's pretty awesome uh, so there may be guys in different situations though like that are on the opposite side of the coin from you where they may have taken meds for a long time mm-hmm and and found the right combination. I yeah. I'm a firm believer that certain meds that uh, you know one of my children took uh, really helped save her life. Now there uh -huh. were some that were were nasty. Again, we're not going to get into the medical side because I'm we're not doctors. But yeah. yeah, I mean, if you need them, take them. Basically, is where what I wanted to say. There's mm -hmm. no 
do not let people med shame you, anybody. Yeah. And uh, of course, uh, use the right uh, psychiatrists, psychologists, doctors to find the right med. Sometimes it's trial and error, and then that's rough, believe me. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Cool. And it, you know, it can be def- those first six months can definitely. If that is a trial period, you know, maybe some people are lucky enough they can the first one they get on that it helps them out. But sometimes yeah. it takes one that um, even after you start people start the medication, um, counseling is definitely got to be continued because medication isn't going to solve the addicts, whether it be an experience That's or, right. or whatever mm-hmm. is going on in your life. It'll help. You still have to let lower the get, let go of the layers. Definitely, and, and yeah, yeah, and you got to work. You got to work through those things. You got to figure stuff out. So yeah. counseling is definitely got to be continued, um, and good. definitely seeking doctors' advice. Like you said, they're mm-hmm. you know they're there's a reason they're called doctors, and so they're the ones that study that stuff, and and they're the ones that can study you and find what's right for you, and so you know if if people feel like medication is something they should be on, that's between them and then their doctor. Do it, yeah. And even if it's right. something where they feel like they can maybe wean off of medication, you know, that's definitely something that should be brought up by a doctor. With the well. doctor's help. Right. Yeah, don't know. just, don't just go cold turkey. Yeah. All right, so we're back and we are headed down the last stretch here to wrap it up with Tanner, uh, Blake, William, Pabst, Olson, Pabst. <laughs> and uh, I want to hit for a second here as we close out on uh, the biblical perspective of anxiety and depression. So some of the guys who follow I'd Rather Talk, some of the guys I've journeyed with are, are young men of faith. And then I have some who aren't. That's not a basis for walking with me. I'm not the kind of person where, you know, you must be this religion to for to have a mentoring friendship with me. It doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. So this, some guys will relate to this, and, and some won't, and that's okay. But you and I had talked about uh, a couple of scriptures there that guys could stand on, in addition to meds and counsel and mentoring and the physical side. There is a spiritual side too. So if you would, Tanner, hit on that perspective of some of those scriptures that you have, have stood on at least a couple of them there as a young man. Yeah. With anxiety and depression. Yeah. yeah. So one of them was Philippians four thirteen. I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. I think it definitely goes along in lines with what's going on in the world today. You know, you need that extra strength. Um, but also in first Corinthians ten thirteen, there's no, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to humanity. God is faithful and he will not allow you to be tempted to be beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, he is also, he will also provide a way to escape. And that's mm-hmm. definitely something. A way of escape. Yeah. Cause you know, when you go through bouts of <clears throat> mental, mental health, um, the common question that people always like to ask when they know that you're a believer is where was God in that? Um, but you know, he's always there. It's just a matter. Are you willing to allow him to step in and take over your problem? Are you willing to drop that 
burden at his feet and let him carry that? Or are you going to be willing to take that on yourself? Um, but the last one I've, I'll read off here is just John fourteen twenty seven. It says, peace I yeah, leave go you. Ahead. My peace mm. I give to you. I do not give you as the world gives. Your heart must not be troubled or fearful. And I love what that the middle part of that verse says. I do not give to you as the world gives. Man, because, talk about that. Dude, That's what stood out to me. Go ahead. <laughs> when you look at the That's news, good. there is no peace in the world. <laughs> It is all, yeah. it is chaos. It's, it's hectic. It's chaos, dude. Man. <laughs> so right now there is no peace that the world is gonna give you. But how that verse starts off, peace I leave you, my peace I give to you. So it's not the world's peace that he's given, it's his peace. And that's the only peace that you're gonna get that is calming and soothing and what's gonna help you through and it's down on the inside of you right mm-hmm. like it's there it is it's, if, and it's if you're a believer god lives in you yeah, yeah that's right it's always been there mm-hmm. so kind of like you yielding to katrina your pastors your mentors your counselors we we must yield to god in the same way mm-hmm. you said he's already there yeah well even though he's here i could shut him out right or i could say yeah. you know what god this is a freaking horrible day and i'm just going to open my heart to you because you're there like we have to yield to him in exactly the same way and so i i love what you said earlier when we were talking about isolation and you can even add jesus in that picture too you know if, if you picture you're on a passenger plane flying from california to new york if that plane is your life and you decide to take that pilot seat that doesn't mean that god took the you know he took that parachute and he jumped out or you kicked him out he may be back in that luggage compartment or he may be back riding first class or even back further than that even if you're in that pilot seat he's still there somewhere and so it's it's just a matter of getting on that intercom and saying god i can't do this alone i'm weak and just being able to admit that part right there that you're weak and you can't do that without him just that right there is enough to break you down and that's the biggest step yeah and you know once once that happens it's all up from there that's when he steps in and he takes that pilot seat over and he guides you in that direction to where you got off track Mm -hmm. and so you said that um worrying about a situation i think this is how you said it worrying about a situation does not prevent it from happening Mm-hmm. So I love that because we worry, we worry, we worry. <laughs> guess what? Whatever happens still happens. still happens. The worry doesn't stop it, doesn't change it, makes it worse, really. It does. So worrying doesn't prevent it from happening. So there has to be an alternative. Yeah. We have to we have to constantly let that layer of worry fall off. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't fall off on its own, then your mentors help you, your counselors help you, your spouses help you. God helps you. Like we lift it together. Yeah. We, we lift that weight off. Yeah. So um, thanks for sharing those <laughs> passages. Again, not everybody that listens to Ed Rather talk is a person of faith and, and that's everyone's choice, but there are some guys who do. And I want those guys that are listening now to have those anchors to, to hold on to mm-hmm. and those uh, passages to stand on. So yeah, most definitely. dude, yeah, it's so cool for me having known you now for two and a half years just <laughs> to see 
your extraordinary progress. As we close out here, just give me a quick recap, two or three points there. The first one, and definitely one of the the important ones, is just to know that you're not alone, no matter what you're no matter what you're mm. dealing with, no matter what's going on in your life, knowing that there's always people that love you and people that support you and are willing to help you. And no matter what, you know, sharing my story, I, I don't want people to step away from this podcast think, thinking, man, that kid had a rough life or, or that guy's problem. You know, mine is weak compared to that. I will, you know, I, I will never put my pain or even my problems above anybody else's. I, I right. you know, I'm not that type of guy that's going to rate people's problems, you know, rate if, your pain. Yeah. You know, if, if you're having anxiety over, you know, this COVID pandemic going on, you know, that's, that's no bigger or no smaller than what yeah, a lot of guys are is going yeah. on in my life. And to me, mm. you know, mental health, it's, it's all one category. It's all, serious to me like i mm, i want it's all serious yeah, yeah so it doesn't matter what's going on just just knowing that there are people out there that are willing to open up their ears and you know sometimes that involves opening up the ears and closing the mouth and sometimes that's what people need and there's <laughs> there's lots of people mm. that are willing to do that active listening <laughs> opening up the ears and closing the mouth that's, that's exactly awesome. so you are not alone and then uh what else yeah What's another so point the next one is just, you were thinking about there. um you know like you said not everybody in your circle is a believer but for me um just knowing that you you got to trust god with your pain um no matter how distant he may feel or even if he feels non-existent just knowing that he is there you know, I, I know without a doubt that he's, he's somewhere. You just may, you just yeah. close that door and he just needs that door open again. How do you talk to him? I know that's a random question. It's not in this, in our yeah. notes, but how do you talk to God for those guys that man it can struggle be, with that? It can be anyway, you know, through, through prayer. Um, it can be something as, you know, as driving to work, driving to the grocery store. And I love the way my pastor puts it too. Um, you know, God God knows our every thought. He knows what we're about to say. We can say something on our mind and he knows that. And so even at times, if you have to lock yourself in your bedroom or if you're in your house alone and all you can do is scream or even cry. <laughs> like I've done that. God, God can translate that. He knows exactly what you mean yeah. by that. It, it may not be words. Mm -hmm. It might be a scream or, yeah, yeah, dude, when, when we were separated, there was more than one time between here and, and the city where I work, where I literally screamed out to God. And I even said some words I probably shouldn't say on this podcast, uh, like, you know, just anger and, mm -hmm. and not understanding. And never once but Tanner was God moved. Never did he, you know, as they say, fall off the throne. Like <laughs> he didn't raise his middle finger to me. He just, yeah. he literally kept his arms around me and used people to do that too. So yeah, you're never awesome. going to catch God off surprise. It's, yeah, he knows everything. I'm kind of hearing you saying that guys might have some type of mental health challenge throughout their life. I know that uh, one in, every four Americans has had a serious, you know, mental health uh, journey. We don't 
we don't like to say it still in this country, but it's true. So that being the case, then uh, what I'm hearing you say is you really have to constantly, how can we say, have the will to fight, have the Mm -hmm. will to the will to get help and be out of your comfort zone. And even like what you're doing today, Tanner, Mm -hmm. sharing your story, not to compare with anybody else, but that even opens some of those layers for you and lifts them off of you to share with with other people so yeah definitely. I, yeah is there anything else that you want to say uh that's uh that's on your heart here before we close out no I anything th- at all it's okay I if think you don't. we did a pretty good job at, yeah at dude you everything. did <laughs> dude I, i'm so proud of you because i know uh, some of this was not easy and uh i believe with all my heart i can think of you know a list of people in my head already that i know are gonna are going to be helped by this, even the person that I talked to this week. So some of you guys might be wondering uh, how you could reach out to Tanner and talk to him. I know he told me earlier he'd be willing to do that. Probably the best way would be to send me an email that I'd rather talk at gmail.com and I can help you get in touch with Tanner then uh, some way through his email or so. I know that Tanner uh, is on Instagram, but I know at the time of this recording, you're taking a social media break too, which is healthy. So you might not catch him on Instagram right now, Um, Tanner Pabst. um, And you don't have a Facebook, so good for you. One less thing (laughs) to, you know, see fake news and crap on. Yeah. But, dude, thank you so much. I feel like in our man souls that I've known you for 10 years, it's just one of those types of friendships. And I'm honored and thankful to my brother, mm-hmm. as weird as he is, uh, <laughs> that he had the wisdom to say, uh, this is Tanner and here's my brother and walk away. Yeah, He was, as we say, led of the spirit. So thanks for opening up to this level, Tanner. I, I'm proud of you. I admire you. I love you as my brother and friend. And thank you so much for uh, sharing about anxiety today. Dude, it was awesome. Thank you. Yeah, man. It was truly an honor. I've been really excited about this. I really just, you know, if my story can impact one person, that's all that matters to me. And so, yeah, I I truly thank you from the bottom of my heart of giving me ability to to record this and being able to share my story. Absolutely. I think the biggest takeaway is when you're having your um, awful evil days, pour a cup of that Folgers and it's all going to be okay. That's pretty much (laughs) the point of this podcast. (laughs) Liquid gold, man. Liquid gold. No, dude. <laughs> Starbucks or some some other real coffee that you actually grind, Tanner, like I'll, freshly ground, not freeze dried. My lord, freeze dried. That's the black gross rifle, and disgusting. The dude. black rifle coffee coffee company. That I'll go with. Oh, which one? The black rifle. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you mentioned I'll that. Go with them, so that's actually real coffee, then. It is, man. Okay. <laughs> but dude but thanks. i still consider folders real coffee so <laughs> thanks again hey thank you're you, amazing man. love you love i'll catch you, you soon all right bye-bye Bye. i know besides being auditory many young men are visual and you might be a visual learner and listening today but you like to read for yourself as well 
So at the related reading portion of the podcast this season, I've often directed you guys to I'dRatherTalk.com. That's our website. But today I want to suggest the, the passages that Tanner has been standing on as some related reading for you. Uh, Philippians 4.13, 1 Corinthians 10.13, John 14.27. And you might be thinking, well, Mark, I'm one of those dudes you were talking about. I'm, I'm not a person of faith. Or maybe you just think the Bible is, uh, you know, maybe you look at it as a history book. No matter where you are in your faith journey, those are excellent passages that you can, no matter how you view them, stand on, and that will be helpful to you. You might say, well, I don't even have a Bible, or I have one, or six, or seven, but I can't find them. Well, guys, lucky for us, this is the digital age here. There's free apps. One of the great ones uh, that's pretty common amongst millennials and netgens is Uversion, and it's free on your iPhone or your Android. You can download that. Check those passages out, guys. Go for it. And lastly here, guys, if you've read my posts at I'dRatherTalk.com, you know that I usually end those posts with a closing question, something that you can take away for action. And I've been doing this on the podcast this season as well. So my takeaway question for you today is simply this. What first step can you take today to begin overcoming anxiety? Guys, take that first step now. Take it today. Gentlemen, that is a wrap on episode eight, Overcoming Anxiety. I've been anticipating this episode all summer through this crazy COVID time, and Tanner knocked it out. I just want to thank him again, my special guest host, Tanner Blake William Olson Pabst. Guys, maybe you're sitting here or you're driving, you're walking, working out, you're thinking, you know, I, I you're talking to me. I have really struggled with anxiety and depression. You're not alone, and I promise you, you can overcome. Don't give up. So take that first step today, guys. I am about to close with my normal outro, as we always do, but because outtakes have been such a hit, I've gotten some great feedback on those funny outtakes right after our outro music here. Hang on there with me for a couple of silly uh, outtakes and bloopers. Some guys have asked why I re-record the traditional outro every time I record it fresh. And the reason for that is I never want this podcast to be stale. I want it to be real. And so, um, yeah, I pretty much say the same thing every time for this next uh, 40 seconds. But it's from my gut, gentlemen. If you want to learn more about me and why I mentor why I'd Rather Talk exists, you can jump on over to the website, I'dRatherTalk.com. If you look there, you'll find my bio, you'll learn why I'd Rather Talk exists, and hopefully find some wisdom and life hacks for young men on the 12 topics that you guys ask me about the most. You'll see them there. Leadership, mentoring, 
finding your destiny, thought life, um, setting boundaries, friendships, friendships with other males, dating, sexuality. Guys ask me about that every single day. Marriage, uh, parenting, how to how to make it with kids, <laughs> budgeting your money. And, uh, you know, if you're a person of faith or wanting to be sonship with God, we talk about that there. The great thing about the website is you don't have to give the names of your kids. Uh, I don't need the last four of your social. Guys, you don't even have to sign up for anything. Just go there, enjoy, and uh, and learn. This podcast is a production of I'd Rather Talk, and it's recorded with Anchor FM Software. That is a Spotify company. As I said at the top, I'm Mark Edward, and if you want, you can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and of course the podcast platform that you are listening on today, as well as eight others that I'd rather talk, Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, Google, and several others, including Anchor, of course, that's the company that we use to distribute this podcast that you're listening to now. I will say it until the last episode, and I will say it from my gut. I don't need more followers for my ego. I don't care about more likes. I don't tweet 21 times a day. In fact, I've kind of gotten away from Twitter because it's so toxic, a lot of it. It's not about me, guys. What I am going to keep doing, though, is what I was meant to do until my last breath, and I finally figured that out, to help you guys find answers, to help you enhance and advance your legacy as young men. Guys, I am for you 100%. Come hell or high water, COVID, uh, crazy politics, racial tension, anxiety, depression. Let's stick together. And I hope we can stick together, guys, until you are old and I am really old. Let's talk soon, guys. Bullet point that says biblical perspective of anxiety and depression you can share a couple of those okay. and then i think to close out i just heard folgers <laughs> yeah dude, don't unless you were peeing same thing pretty much <laughs> folgers and pee um whichever it was <laughs> what i'll do is throw in you know a little music interlude here i've been doing that just to give guys an ear break okay so uh, i'm gonna take a drink here first yeah i'm gonna go i'm pause here in a second i'm gonna go refill my liquid gold here Folgers. <laughs> I hear something in the background. Is that a fan or? That... Uh, it may have been my chair creaking. I kind of leaned oh. over. Yeah, dude, I got these ghetto wooden chairs in my kitchen. <laughs> so that might be what you're hearing. <laughs> That's a blooper right there. They're from like the 1950s or something. What? I don't, okay. they sure creak like it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Five seconds. <laughs> You've been listening to the I'd Rather Talk podcast.